This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by listeners like you. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash Jackson, kicked me a few bucks to help support the shows. I appreciate all of you very much and everyone else listening. You can be like them too. You too can be a hero in my eyes. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Jackson. Any and all support in any form is always appreciated. On to the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm normally joined by one guest to talk about a game we've played. Today, however, I'm joined by two wonderful guests. First up, uh, both returning to the show, many, many time uh, guests on the show. First up, co-host of List Off Podcast and professional home wrecker Ryan Yingling. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm a well-known home wrecker. <laughs> yes, I could. I, I was thinking there's no one else I know that better fits that description. So welcome back on the show. We are also joined today by host of Pixel Project Radio and cocktail trivia enthusiast, Rick Firestone. Hey, what's going on, Dave? It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Ryan. Good to be back on the show, uh, the network. Um, you know, a podcast by any other name still sounds as sweet to misappropriate the musings of a certain someone. <laughs> nice. I have no idea where you're going with that, Rick. There's a pretty prominent character that says stuff like yeah. that all the time in this game, Dave. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Did I play the game or not? Let's find out. Today's <laughs> game is Catherine Full Body which is a puzzle adventure game developed and published by Atlas, first published in 2011 for the PS3 and Xbox 360, uh, with a re-release with that full-body subtitle for PS4 in 2019 and Nintendo Switch in 2020. Now, before we get into talking about Catherine, like I said, both of you guys have been on the show many, many times before, but I do want to give you the customary time at the beginning of the episode to talk about the podcasts. So... Rick, it's been longer for you on the show than it has Ryan. So tell everybody about Pixel Project Radio. Sure thing. Uh, so Pixel Project Radio is a podcast that I host with my co-host Ben. And the two of us go through all of our favorite video games, some of your favorite video games, and really dig into the history, the development, the reception, the music, and the story beats. Uh, we like to go through each individual story beat sort of like... I know you've heard this one before, a real-life book club, but for video games. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, and it's, it's you know, if you like Dave's show, you'll like our show and vice versa, so. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I, I've said it before, said it every time you've been on the show, but Pixel Project Radio is one of my favorite shows out there for video game stuff. Really appreciate what you guys do. And Ryan, speaking of things I appreciate, List Off is now finished 
like we said on the last episode. However, still worth your time, people, to go back and listen to the old Listoff backlog. So could you explain for everybody what Listoff is? Sure. Uh, Listoff had a good run. About two and a half years of making mm-hmm. lists that revolve around video games with my co-host Brian. Uh, we are now defunct, but if you are a list aficionado, go listen to Dave's other podcast, a top three podcast. And uh, I, I, I also believe if you enjoy Tales from the Backlog, you will definitely enjoy Pixel Project Radio. So go listen to that too. <laughs> you faked I'm Rick here out nodding. there. <laughs> I'm sitting here nodding while you're saying that, and then you get to the end. I was like, oh wait, he didn't say list off. That's right. I think that anyone who's listening to this show, if you enjoy this show, you will enjoy Pixel Project Radio and List Off and maybe a top three podcast. We'll see about that. So again, I appreciate both of you guys and all the work that you you did and that you continue to do. Um, so happy to have you back on the show to talk about Catherine, like I said. Uh, now, I do want to stipulate, I played Catherine full body. I never played the original. Uh, Ryan, I assume the same for you, right? Yes, that is correct. Never played the original, went straight into full body. Okay. And Rick, you did play the original <laughs> straight into full body. Straight um, into it. I'm a home wrecker. <laughs> I'm a home wrecker, Dave. That's right. That's right. Rick, you did play the original, but you have played full body, right? Yeah, yeah. I played the original uh, on Steam a couple years ago, and then I played full body on Switch and PS5. Okay, cool. So we are going to be talking about full body today. There are some story differences. And uh, from what I understand, the puzzles are a little bit different. But we are going to talk about the full body version today. Uh, So elevator pitches for Catherine. Uh, This is a game that just defies a lot of description. But I wrote it is half life sim, half puzzle game, all batshit fucking crazy. Um, Ryan, how about you? Elevator pitch for Catherine. Uh, Catherine is a unique title that has a lot to say about love, life, devotion, and free will. Behind its surprisingly deep commentary lies a very competent puzzle game that any fan of the genre will enjoy. Mm-hmm. And Rick. All right. Uh, I have got here. Few games successfully achieve a balance of humanity, allegory, and absurdity, but Catherine lives in the center of this Venn diagram. It balances a fantastical and mature story with exciting gameplay, all while holding a mirror to Japanese society and society at large. It's kind of like Persona's cooler older cousin, and the, repa- bleh, the replayability is the cherry on top. Can we just take a second to appreciate that and how, how like well-written that was? And also, can we take a second <laughs> after that to call Rick a one-up and motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm sorry, man. I know you're the There's best, dude. Of, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. I I I got the um I got the the lower version of the elevator pitch out early, and then let you guys fly above me. Very good. Um, this game took me 13 hours to play, and I want to. I think that that's going to be a pretty standard play time for a lot of people, unless you. Well, maybe not standard. I was going to say unless you suck at the puzzles. I do suck at the puzzles, so I feel like. Maybe it took me a little bit longer. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I checked on my PlayStation timer and it was about 13 hours. Um, on my newest playthrough, I went through and didn't talk to anybody and I got through it in 10. So Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I got through it, I think, in about 10. Uh, I didn't check my Switch timer. It felt, it felt shorter than 13, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I did talk to people. I promise. Like I I took the I made the effort. 
uh, I don't typically like talking to people in video games. So I will like <laughs> get me to the story. I don't care uh-huh. about these other people, but I definitely made sure I talked to people in this one. Gotcha. Yeah. So expect about a 10 to 15 hour game uh, for Catherine, maybe something like that. It's a, it's, it's a good length for a video game. I, I always say I love a good 10 to 15 hour game, and this is one of those. So let's talk about what initially got us interested in Catherine. Rick, you played it first. You played the original version. So I'll kick to you first. Why Catherine? What about it appealed to you? Yeah. So, um, it- Actually, now that you phrased the question that way, I remember the first time I ever played this game was on PS4. Technically, it was on PS Now. Um, mm-hmm. And I found, I remember this day really well. I found this and Nino Cooney on the same day, played them both and fell in love with both of them. Um, mm-hmm. But with Catherine, I saw this and like, you know, you you both have seen the cover uh, of, well, of either PS3 or 360, but it's, it's really, it's intentionally titillating and mm-hmm. it, it's risque. But then you look deeper and you're like, well, why does he have horns? And why is there a, a sheep that, that's like standing? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it hooked me right away. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't remember why I dropped it and went to PC. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what got me into it at first. Cool. Ryan, how about you? This is a game that's been on my backlog before Full Body came out. I mean, I remember when the original released, there was a lot of positive buzz around the game and how unique it was. And it was always one of those games like, I'll get to that game, I'll get to that game. Because I have a really bad habit uh, anytime somebody shares like pictures of waifus on Discord, I, I just call them a weeb. But uh-huh. tr- truth is, like, <laughs> I'm a weeb, dude. I'm a weeb. <laughs> I like me some waifus too. So mm-hmm. uh, I knew I'd get to it eventually. And I recorded a top five JRPG episode. And the guest we had on for that episode, I really struggle. I don't play a lot of JRPGs. It's not typically a genre I get into, mm-hmm. uh, but she had recommended Catherine, and it was like another little reminder that I got to get around to this game, and finally mm-hmm. I did, and um, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a long history uh, of sitting on my backlog, and uh, yeah, eventually got around to it. I don't mean to jump in too quickly, but uh, I actually remember that was either the first or one of the first episodes of List Off I ever listened to. Because I remember messaging you about Catherine right afterwards. So uh, that's right. Listeners, yeah. at, listeners at home, if it hooked me, I mean, hook you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this wasn't a perpetual backlog game for me, but it was a perpetual wish list game. I put this on my wish list like years ago, and it just kind of sat there, went on deep sales, uh, and I was just it was just always one of those where I was like, you know what, next time. Um, but it, it always like I've seen gameplay of it and stuff, and it always looked super interesting. Um, I was more interested in this upon discovering that it was made by Atlas. Um, and I didn't know anything about, I had never heard the name Atlas before I played Persona 5 in like 2020 or something like that. And so that was like, oh, they made Persona 5, that game rules. So now I'm more interested in this. And like Rick said, at least the full body version, there is a man drowning in titties on the cover. And I am, I have, uh, my thoughts about, you know, titillating video games, but that is a cover that is unforgettable once you see it. So that combined with the gameplay and developed by Atlas made me want to jump in too. jump in, jump into those titties. So opening thoughts about Catherine. I think this game is super interesting. It is 
I thought it was going to be unlike anything I ever played, and it is unlike anything else I've ever played. Um, the story is really interesting, kind of frustrating. The puzzles are fun, but I found them very difficult. And I came into this to get a unique experience. That is exactly what I got. Um, we have some problematic things in the game, I think, that we're going to talk about mostly in the spoiler section, but there are some um, possibly transphobic uh, elements in the game. And what I thought would be some misogynistic elements in the game, which kind of cooled down after a while, but those kind of some first impressions that I had. Super interesting game, though. Uh, it's going to be a really good conversation. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Ryan, how about you? Just some quick opening thoughts about Catherine. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of uh, would say that I think there was a conversation in your Discord right about the time I was starting to play it about um, best platformers or something. And I was like, genres are dumb, right? Like, mm -hmm. genres are a, a dumb thing in video games. And I love when there are games that don't t stick to one genre or just really can't fit nicely into a box. And Catherine is 100% one of those games. I would definitely agree with you mm -hmm. uh, and echo that it is just a completely unique experience. And it's the thing that stood out to me, like, Atlas still kind of means nothing to me. I'm not a big JRPG fan, mm -hmm. but yeah, I was immediately sucked in because of the art style, the music, the tone. Like Catherine is a vibe, and it it definitely uh, shows you what that vibe is right off the bat. So I, I feel like I was I I immediately knew what this was a game I was going to see through to the end and and enjoy playing. Um, it, it got a lot deeper than I expected, which was a pleasant surprise, but I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about that later. We absolutely will. And Rick, how about you? Opening thoughts about Catherine. Yeah, so this, I mean, this kind of lives in the same sort of 10 out of 10 range that Disco Elysium lives for me. Um, I, I mean, It's not quite at that pinnacle, but I, I love this game very, very much. Um, I, I, I think that it, it really does a masterful job of combining presentation, uh, vibe, like you said, Ryan, especially with uh, the music, which I'm sure we'll talk about, mm -hmm. um, all with like not just an engaging story, but a sort of allegorical message that I, I think it all just ties together superbly. Um, although maybe not so well in full body. I mean, we'll get there. Um, I did also want to say, Dave, I'm glad that you mentioned that like there is a surface level read that this can be more problematic than it actually is i think there's some subtlety in that specific area of misogyny mm -hmm. that it, it it's 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 just really good i i can't wait to, i have so much to say about this game i can't wait to talk about it well you came to the right place my friend we're gonna take a little <laughs> music break and then when we come back we're gonna get into the story setup oh i forgot to say spoiler policy for the episode um if you have not played Catherine, don't worry, we're not going to spoil the story for you until the spoiler wall, as is customary, after which point we will spoil the story for you. So don't worry if you haven't played, check down in the show notes, there's a timestamp for when the spoilers begin. All right, music.
So in Catherine, you play as Vincent Brooks, who uh, I was astonished to learn is voiced in English by Troy Baker because everything, everybody's voiced by Troy Baker. I just don't, I don't recognize voices. Um, Vincent is an early 30s man who is put in a very uncomfortable situation when his longtime girlfriend named Catherine, with a K, wants to get married and he is not so sure. He ends up cheating on Catherine with a young woman named Catherine with a C. And at night, Vincent is tormented in his dreams by these endless tower climbing challenges, we'll say. And this is kind of like the two parts of the game. You've got your story sections where uh, you're dealing with Vincent's um, predicament, we'll say. And then you've got your puzzle sections at night in Vincent's dreams. So we're going to talk about the story first. The other part about the story is that at the beginning, again, this is the full body version. Vincent helps a young woman named Rin, who is being chased by something, which is a developing story. Uh, Rin has lost her memory. Vincent helps her find a place to job, uh, a, a place to work and a place to live. So those are our story elements. This is a really interesting um, game because of the the main focus is on Vincent's infidelity in the story for the most part, his, his indecision in his relationship and then his infidelity. And that's just not something that a lot of video games are about. And that was something that like, I knew this was part of the story before I bought it, before I bought the game. And that was something that was interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, gosh, it's tough to tackle this without getting into spoilers, but uh, right, I think it immediately sets up an uncomfortable situation for the protagonist and the struggles that he goes through being in that situation. And um, there's never like a clear picture of what is the correct choice uh, or where, how to, how to approach the situation. So um, behind it, there is also another mystery going on and that that's kind of what appealed to me, like the, uh, the uh, ongoing mystery of, I don't know if I could talk about this, so <laughs> maybe I'll save it for the spoiler section. But there is a mystery happening in the background, and it's mm-hmm. it, it can almost be like a whodunit. Um, and I allowed it to become that in in my own mind. So, uh, yeah, I really like that part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing in terms of the story that, you know, I, I, this has just been on my mind lately based on the other games that I've been playing, is that as the story goes, like, we are playing as Vincent we are, he's not a cipher for ourselves, in other words. Right. In, until he is in one specific scene, but so far later in the game, don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that just makes the story more effective, especially when they want to incorporate these, uh, this thematic material behind it with the, with the sort of imagery that they're using. Yeah. Um, very good that this isn't like a byleth in three houses situation, for example. Yeah, it, this was something that I found really frustrating because I kept trying to put myself into Vincent's character too much and I was very frustrated by Vincent and his just his tendency to just stumble and mumble and not make a decision uh throughout cutscenes and stuff like that and just it feels like the story for a while is just happening around Vincent as he's just like I don't know what to do man and it was really frustrating for me for a while and then it was probably talking with uh, one or both of you or other people in the discord server. And I was either told or arrived at the conclusion, like you, you can't get frustrated with how Vincent is handling things because it's not how the way, the way you would handle things. 
Vincent is not you. Vincent's his own character and you've got to just watch it that way, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I actually found it less frustrating in this game than I do in other titles. There are some other games you play where there are giant repercussions uh, and they're told in a very serious way because of actions that your character takes that you have no control of. This was always done a little more slapsticky and almost like comedic. Like he is a bumbling buffoon at times. And it made mm-hmm. it a little easier for me to swallow to just be like, oh, Vincent, you dipshit. <laughs> you know, I'd like shake your head at him sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, I found it somewhat less frustrating in this game to not be in full control of the character. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of conveying who Vincent is from from the start. Like right off the bat. And so I had very low expectations of his uh, ability to make choices. And, you know, who is Vincent? I mean, he's John Everyman. That's why they they wrote him that way. I mean, he is the everyday dude, right? Mm -hmm. And that fits into the themes. But, like, that's also why he's so just, uh, you know, come see, come saw. Like, he's just a dude. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was it just took me a little bit of time to get there because uh, there were several situations in the game where I thought that there was a very very clear correct thing to do, and instead of making a decision either way, Vincent just kind of like ah ah, and then the scene's over. You know, there, and that, I could that see the face. Me. I could see the <laughs> face he makes face. when you make that noise. Yeah. That's that that's that slapstick like comedy over exaggerated element to it. The way that Vincent's face especially is is mm-hmm. animated and drawn he he contorts his face his eyeballs bulge out more than should be humanly possible um the way that they convey his expressions and his his horror and exasperation at the situation that he's found himself in um that was entertaining for sure i want to touch on that subject of misogyny for a little bit uh, right at the beginning here, because this is uh, something that at the beginning of the game, I I got this feeling like right away, I was like, oh, this game thinks that women are evil, huh? And um, I don't know. Did you guys get that impression the first time you played like at the beginning? I mean, it, it, I could see how it definitely could be interpreted that way. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of like, gosh, I've been in relationships similar to Catherine and Catherine. So (laughs) to me, it just felt like, yeah, like, no, like I've been there, man. And it wasn't like, I don't think I, I I mean, early in the game, I don't think either one is portrayed as um, being like problematic or, you know, portrayed in that negative of a light. Like um, they just have needs that, that they want to be met. Right. And uh, Vincent is maybe not the guy to meet those needs. <laughs> and so uh-huh. I, I don't know if I, I would outright say it was misogyny. And I think that touches on one of the greatest points of this game is that the characters are written incredibly nuanced and, and human, right? So one character doesn't represent the quote unquote good choice. I mean, it, in a way they do, but they're not a caricature of that. You know, they're not a... Uh, 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 what's the word? It, it, they are not the embodiment of that ideal, right? They're a regular human, um, and that's really cool. As far as the misogyny goes, like with calling women uh, the witches, like the curse of the witch um, being perpetrated by women, I think that is intentional because of one of the core themes that's in the, at the heart of this game that is 
that that being the uh, what do you call it? The herbivore male uh, in Japanese culture and their sort of declining birth rates and, uh, you know, young men just don't want to be in relationships. And where do they place the blame? Well, it's the women's fault because they don't want a traditional marriage and a traditional relationship. Right. The, the values are all crazy. And I think that's why they portray it as misogyny. Right. Because that's how these Johnny Everymans are thinking of it. I don't know, dude. I, I, I think it's I that's think there is a hint of misogyny, but I think it's done to a purpose. And I think it's great. That's interesting because yeah. I interpreted it more like Vincent was like, like, I didn't think either woman was being unruly or out of hand like i think they were like i said they had needs and like if anything like to me it seemed like vincent was a child he had a lot of growing up to do and uh so i i I mean i understand yes like say which and associating that with with a woman yeah 100 percent. like that's that could be misogynistic but um yeah as far as like how these women are shown I don't. I didn't see either one of them in a negative light. Uh, I really saw Vincent as being a dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the main takeaway. Is that I start in the first couple hours of the game. I got the feeling like, oh, this game is portraying women as evil. They are the cause of the problems in the game. And then as the game went on, I was like, oh no, that's not happening. The mm-hmm. Vincent is an idiot. His friends are idiots. This is. Um, the, the the goal of the game is not to portray women as being evil. The goal is to show what's wrong with Vincent and his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why I started with that idea, but quickly moved on from it. Um, so there's a bunch of terrible men in this game. And I think the, the, the female characters are portrayed in kind of stereotype kind of roles, like relationship type roles, like Catherine with a K is the, you know, the, the, the family type relationship, Catherine with a C who I'm going to refer to as C and K and Rin from now on in the episode C is, is kind of like the sexy, exciting type. And Rin is like the cute, innocent type. There are these kind of stereotypes, but uh, I agree with what Rick said earlier. They do have layers to them too. Um, And it, it just kind of, it surprised me in the depth of like, where they're going with this, with the themes of the story, uh, where in the first couple hours I was like, Oh, Whoa, this is, (laughs) this is pretty rough. Uh, but it it got a lot better after that in this way in particular. Really well said, dude. And another, it's not just Catherine, Catherine and Catherine that have the complex layers to them. Right. We, we get to explore why these men might be shitty people. It's Mm -hmm. not just as simple as a, well, men bad. It's like we explore some root causes of toxic masculinity too. It's mm-hmm. it's so cool. It's so cool. And we've all been in a situation where like we are the reason we experience problems in a relationship, but we maybe don't see that for ourselves. And it did a really good job of exploring that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preaching to the choir, pal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um it, it's a really interesting story and it 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 kind of goes in the direction of you know, choosing which one of these um, Catherines that you want to pursue a relationship with, uh, but there's there's even more to it than just that at the end of it too. Like I, this game is making a statement. I feel like a coherent statement that 
it does require a little bit of context. Like we, we are all living in the United States. The thing that this game's commenting on is not an issue in the United States, but it is an issue in Japan where this game is from. And I'm not going to say any more than that right now, but this game is making a statement that wasn't readily apparent right in the first couple hours of the game. And I do want to give it a, a, a good uh, pat on the back for that, for sure. Yeah. Deserves to be commended. Yeah. Well said, Dave. Thank you. Uh, do we have any other thoughts about the story and um, other characters? We have um, Vincent's friend group. We have the the patrons in the bar. We have Erica, their friend. Um, any any other? I think that those characters are all really interesting too, even if they're just very weird, like the the middle aged uh, women that sit next to well, you in the bar. They're, they're older. They're, they're older than that. They're so fun. Um, they're great. Uh, there's, there's a lot of fun characters in the game too. So I guess we can just touch on them. Um, if there's any that stand out to you as interesting, or, uh, we just want to give them all their props. I, I think one of the cool things about this game, um, and man, I, I apologize if I'm getting too deep in the weeds, but this is coming off the toxic masculinity, uh, thing that I alluded to is that all of the bar patrons that you can talk to all of the men specifically, they have horrible opinions and views, just vile views on women and what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And it's, and this is not an uncommon thing to see, especially in America. Right. Um, but the more that you talk to them as the story goes on, the more that you learn like, Oh, this, this guy has a complicated relationship with women because as a kid, his dad was a womanizer and never gave him any compliments and like abused him. Or like this guy has a complicated relationship with women because he wrote a story about an up and coming ballerina who then died by suicide because she couldn't handle the harassment from the press based on her new career. So Mm -hmm. like people aren't just horrible because they're horrible. These men are horrible because they don't have a healthy outlet to talk about their emotions. Right. And it's not, it's not a scapegoat of saying like, Oh, you know, this is why like poor men, like men's rights. It's not, it's not that (laughs) it's, it's more so like this toxic masculinity, uh, uh, this notion of toxic masculinity that that tells men that we can't talk about our problems often does breed this kind of horrible, vile behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's cool. I like that it's not just, you know, people are bad because they're people, right? That's boring. No, I, it, that's really difficult to follow up. So I'll just say <laughs> I really appreciated all the side characters and their individual growth uh, as the game goes on as well. Yeah. Did, yeah, there <laughs> Um sorry, did you um what did you two think of Trisha? So, Trisha for the listeners if you haven't played, there is a frame a framing device where when you boot up the game, um Trisha is this host uh and Trisha is introducing you to this uh this TV program called the Golden Playhouse and I, I don't know. I, I went through the game not having any thoughts about Trisha because Trisha's in the first scene and the last scene, and that's it. So I, I forgot about Trisha. I forgot about the Golden Playhouse, to be honest. I, I'm going to playfully say this because I'm the youngest one on this call, but uh, this is a reference a little before my time. But uh, <laughs> is is this Trisha is like a, a reference to like... Um, uh, like what do you call it? Like Spike Lee movies, right? Like that, like that era and that style of filmmaking, or 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 is it like primetime TV, that kind of thing? I mean, it's she is very much like the the narrator. I I, w- I would attribute it to like a Spike Lee film, or you know, um, 
gosh, what was the name of the DJ? Uh, Mrs. Jones, I think. Like, good news, hip hoppers. You know, mm-hmm. like that smooth kind of <laughs> like, let me set the scene for you. And uh, yeah, so my thoughts on Trisha, um, it's a it's a good framing device. It really it was one of those things that like immediately grabbed me. And it wasn't until you mentioned something, Rick, that I was like, wait a minute, like this character should be black and it, and she's not, uh, which is a little odd. And then I started thinking there's not, this isn't really a diverse game in that way, like at all. Not in that way. No. It's, uh, I mean, when did this originally come out? Like what, 2011 or something? Um, 2011 Japanese it, game. It, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not, it's not a big surprise course. to me. Honestly, I I think that this framing device kind of sucks because the beginning, like it's cool to introduce the game this way, but I hate how the framing device closes the game. We'll talk about that in the spoiler section. So I think that this kind of sucks. It's cool presentation, but if you think about it, if when I think about it, I'm like, why? It doesn't make any sense. It's not necessary. But yeah, the mystery, when you go through the game, the mystery of why Vincent is having these recurring nightmares where he's got to climb these towers, the seemingly escalating situation that Vincent finds himself in, in his personal life kept me really, really engaged as the story went on. Even if I was frustrated by how Vincent is handling his situation, I was still very interested by the mystery of why is he having these dreams? Why is there a continuing news story about young men dying in their sleep? This is a really cool story. So to kind of bring it back to what's going on in the plot, I thought that was super cool, super engaging for the entire game. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. That's the thing that I I found myself more interested in than his personal relationships was like finding out who was behind that and why it's happening and who else is experiencing those things. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was a very... uh, The way it revealed itself throughout the game uh, as to, like, if other people are experiencing something similar and who might be the driving force as to why the people are experiencing that. Like, who is Mm -hmm. the witch, right? I thought that was a cool mystery. Uh, It didn't quite give me the closure. Like, it didn't end in a very rewarding way, in my opinion, but uh, it was good enough to keep me playing for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And it drives it organically in the story, too, uh, because if you don't talk to these terrible men at the bar and let them express themselves, uh, they will eventually die. Uh, so we do see real world uh, consequences to this this uh, this curse. Mm-hmm. OK, so we're allowed to talk about that stuff. That's the stuff I wasn't <laughs> so sure about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all stuff that it comes up in the first half hour hour of the game. So I'm not not too fussed about talking about that, but I will put a pin in the story for now. And we'll revisit this in the spoiler section for sure. Cause there is a lot to talk about in the spoiler section. Let's listen to some music from Catherine and then come back and talk about um, the way it looks and the music. Cause it really stands out. So 
we talked about Vincent's face and how he's the most expressive video game character ever created, in my opinion. Uh, I have just tons of screenshots of Vincent's eyes hanging out of his head like a like a fucking Looney Tune or something like that. His mouth is wide open, just could not be more shocked and surprised. But other than Vincent, um, I thought, because this game has a lot of like fully illustrated cutscenes, and I thought that way of presentation was also uh, really well done. And I'm not an anime viewer, but I enjoyed these a lot. I do like how it switched between the two. Um... And I, yeah, it was cool. It was like you could put your controller down and enjoy this little snippet of, uh, like you said, like the anime uh, portions of the game. Man, um, I think they were going for that sheep parallel there, right? With some of his facial expressions and like when his eyeballs would like drift apart. Uh, oh, interesting. That, that's definitely the, the impression that I got out of it. But uh, yes, Vincent is extremely expressive and. <laughs> Uh, it's humorous, man. Like, you know, it's a, uh, it's body humor. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful game. Um, and the anime cutscenes are, I mean, it's high quality anime too, which is mm-hmm. really good. It's uh the, the, the one thing I don't like about the full body version is that it, it seems like it's very washed out, like saturation wise, like things just seem too bright. It is very bright. Yeah. But I mean, otherwise it looks just like persona five. Mm hmm. And that's when I, when I saw gameplay of Catherine, that was the first thing I thought is that looks like Persona 5. And then, oh, it's by Atlas. Oh, it's using the same engine as Persona 5, if I understand right. So it makes a lot of sense. So, um, so there's that, uh, it's a good looking game. There's lots of very cool visuals that I don't want to spoil what they are right now, but there are some cool visuals in the game, uh, especially in Vincent's dreams at night. And, Um, let's talk about music. Um, I think this game has one of the most interesting soundtracks of anything I've played in a long time. Um, and it's interesting. There's a lot of like original music, of course, but there's also a lot of like classical pieces in the game. There's ride of the Valkyries. There's Beethoven. There's, you know, ode to joy, all kinds of like these really recognizable songs that are remixed the way that this soundtrack works. And when those come up, um, I think that they they put a lot of like oomph into the scenes that they're used in. It's really cool. I've been listening to the soundtrack all week at work, getting ready for this um, recording here. What did you guys think of the music? I'm going to oh say gosh, it's good dude. and leave it to Rick because he is a musician. <laughs> <laughs> Quit picking on me. <laughs> I'm not picking on you, man. I just know when I'm outmatched and yeah, uh, you would be it. the better descriptor for the music in this game for sure. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. But Shoji Meguro, he is, I, I, I'm convinced Soji Meguro cannot make a bad track. I mean, a composer for tons of Shin Megami games. I think all of the Persona games except two, um, but then later on the ports of two, he was a creative director just uh just incredible um in this game in particular it's everything from like vibe bar jazz to like uh like you were saying dave uh classical music like orchestrations with uh like rock elements like think trans-siberian orchestra but not just christmas Uh, my favorite (laughs) track in particular was the reworking of the hut on fowl's legs from mazorski's pictures at an exhibition it's just so metal and it, it gets right at you it's so good 
Nice. I've been. I knew I, I knew I handed off to the right dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. I should have just gone for a drink of water or something and let Rick cook during the music section. Um, yeah. The 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 one that I've been jamming to the last week is the 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 reworking like the rock the Trans Siberian Orchestra version of Beethoven's uh, Piano Sonata Number no. Fourteen. Fucking rocks! It's so goddamn good. Oh yeah, it's and it's not just the uh, the reorchestrations. It's some of the original stuff in the bar too. It's really cool, mm-hmm. and you can uh, you can use the jukebox and change the music to Persona Three music or Persona Four music. Nice. I didn't even know that. I don't fuck with jukeboxes in games. Maybe I should start trying. I, I just found this out like last month. <laughs> I found nice. it out last night. There's a point in the game uh, when I was finishing up where a, a guy says like, hey, go check out the jukebox and you could put this song on. And I was like, what? There's a jukebox? <laughs> it, is a, it is a bar with all of the bar staples. You got your jukebox, you've got your arcade cabinet, and mm-hmm. you got your asshole dudes hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, it's a bar. Yeah. Good, uh, great music in this game. And I thought the voice acting was also really, really great. Um, especially, I mean, I mentioned Troy Baker before he's great as Vincent, but all of the Catherines have really good voice acting. Uh, the guy in the bar, who's the boss standing behind the bar, love his voice actor all around. Awesome. Awesome voice acting. And shout out to Lara Bailey too, the English voice of C Catherine. Okay. Oh my God. So uh, like such a great performance. It's it's really weird too. Speaking of Sea Catherine in the Japanese version, um, and I don't even know that I have an opinion on this, but they actually there's a feature where you can choose the style of voice that Sea Catherine has. So they got several recordings, uh, as far as I know, and you know one is a sexy affected voice, one is a <laughs> shy affected voice, and so on and so on. Um, I don't know if it's different throughout the whole game, but that that's a that's that's a choice that I've never seen before. Seems like a labor intensive choice too. Yeah, that's yeah. that's odd. Uh, I do want to shout out the other voice actors now that now that we're on the subject. So Kay Catherine is voiced by Michelle Ruff in English, of course, and Rin is voiced by Brianna Knickerbocker. Great job, all three of them. Awesome, Troy Baker. Great job. the The entire voice cast, though, all of um, all of Vincent's friends. I enjoyed all of their voice performances. This is great. So in Catherine, uh, it's kind of the gameplay is divided up into two main sections. You've got your puzzle sections and you've got your kind of social life sim sections. Let's talk about the puzzles first, uh, because this is kind of the, I don't know, the more engaging type of gameplay. And I spent more time doing this, I think. Um, So in Vincent's dreams, you're in this kind of this tower, you're climbing up level to level through these puzzles. And the way that the puzzles work is it is block pushing and pulling and climbing. And you need to pull or push blocks to make platforms so that you can climb up and up and up and up. So when each level starts, you're kind, you're often faced with like a sheer 
face, uh, like a, a cliff face or something like that. You need to pull out the blocks from that structure to form staircases or uh, ways to shimmy along the edges of blocks and stuff like that so that you can make it up to the top. And I'll just kick it to you guys. What what was your experience with these? Because there are a lot of these puzzles. I, I love puzzle games. Like I'm a, a big fan. Uh, I love board games. I love solving problems. Uh, so I, this was surprisingly good. I, uh, Rick, you had mentioned, I think, uh, in a private conversation that they had co- for a short while competitive Catherine, right? Yes. <laughs> um, which like does not surprise me because it is that good. Uh, and if you were like racing other people to solve the puzzle to get to the top, it would, it would sing. Like it, it works perfectly. And there are so many different ways to approach these puzzles. And they do such a good job as the game progresses to introduce different types of blocks and these little like tweaks to gameplay. Yet you're able to learn new techniques by conversing with your peers in between some of the puzzles. And if you pay attention, like there are ways to solve puzzles that are not immediately apparent when you approach them, but they all make sense once it clicks. And man, when it clicked, I was loving every minute of the climb uh (laughs) i i I was this was the most surprising part of the game in a very surprising game was how good the puzzle aspect was because it was damn good yeah ryan really well said i i don't know about you guys but there's like a stereotype with men that we're really good with visual things like we're, we're visually uh uh adept that's not me like i'm not good with maps i'm not good at loading cars but like with Tetris and Catherine, when I see just something about those blocks and the way right. they're laid out, like my brain switches and it's just like, oh, think of the, I feel like a Marvel superhero. Like, oh, <laughs> what if I yeah, move, like if sure. I put, put this here, put this here. Oh, it's, I, I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. I'm, I, this hooked me so quickly. It's just so satisfying to, uh, to find a new way up or to really overcome something that you died on like five times. Like I usually do. <laughs> it's great. But that's a good way to put it. Like the best thing about puzzle games is when you make those little solutions and you have that feeling of like, I am the smartest man on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this does it like almost every level. You could have that experience if, and it's a good feeling for sure, Rick. You could have that experience. I did not. I found these puzzles. No, Number one, I like the puzzles. I think they're good. I found these so difficult. I, I, only on like the last level of the game did I see the matrix, basically. I bumbled my way through every single one of these levels, basically. What helps is that if you screw up, because you can push and pull your way into an unwinnable situation, you mm-hmm. can undo up to three moves by default. And then as you progress through the levels, you can get yourself more and more undoes. And <laughs> you can hear the voice in my head, undo, undo, <laughs> undo. Edge, 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 edge. <laughs> That's the one I hear all the time. Edge. Yeah. yeah. So I, I found these puzzles to be fun, but very, very difficult. Uh, and I would often a finish levels without, like I would screw up many times undoing lots and lots of times. Sometimes I would screw up so badly. I would have to like restart the level and let the computer like auto climb up to the level where I previously went to a checkpoint or something. And you can do that. It's really helpful. And then I would often solve the puzzles and not know how. I just kind of bumble my way into it. And then 
on the last level or the last couple levels, I did start to see the matrix. So I think that like this story, this game is really replayable from a story perspective. Many, many replays are supported by this story, but um, I feel like if I were to replay this game, I would like breeze through the puzzles in a way that I didn't my first time. But I, I just like, I, you guys are talking about how you can see the matrix. And I was like, I, 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 I Vincent Brooks my way through these puzzles. <laughs> um, I will say if you're a listener where everything else sounded appealing about this game and this, maybe you're not into puzzles. Maybe this sounds tedious to you. They give you tools to help you. There are like tools you can use to create blocks around you to make it a little easier to jump up two sets of blocks. And mm-hmm. also if you play on easy, you can autoplay the puzzles. So if the story sounds more interesting to you and puzzles aren't necessarily your thing, the game does a good job of not letting that get in your way. And on the flip side, if you're somebody that thrives in these kinds of challenges, um, you get ranked at the end of each level. And mm-hmm. you can get bronze, silver, or gold. And you do get extra content if you get a lot of gold uh, trophies. And you can replay these levels at any time just via the main menu once you clear them. So it's, I mean, whether you're hardcore into puzzles or not, it's, you know, it, it, they've built in the tools to, to help you succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, even though I found them difficult, I still think that these are, are fun. I just had a hard time. <laughs> when you finish a level, uh, a lot of these, these puzzle sections of the game will have multiple levels of puzzles that you need to beat before you can go back to the story sections. And in between the levels, you get to like this kind of rest area where there are other sheep. Uh, Vincent is a sheep in these, um, or he's got sheep horns. He sees himself as a person. Everyone else sees him as a sheep. And you see the other characters as sheep too in there. Um, you can talk to the sheep and talking to them will get you, they will teach you advanced like techniques for climbing. Cause there is a, there are a lot of ways that you can manipulate these blocks and these stacks of blocks in ways that are not like readily apparent to you. Again, it took me a long time to learn the rules about how a puzzle can rest on the edge of a puzzle that's below it and diagonal, you know, not directly underneath it. You can still do that. And it it took me a while to really get the hang of these, but these kind of tutorials for advanced moves in these kind of interstitial little rest areas are super helpful. And, um, during those sections, you can also buy items that Ryan was talking about that will help you out a lot. They'll let you jump higher or create extra blocks or uh, any number of of really helpful things. So I, I made liberal use of all of those things in those little interim levels. Dave, you had mentioned the imagery a little bit before. This These interstitials, these uh, platforms where you're not climbing, they're really cool because they've got this dual imagery like vague imagery of like it's both at the same time a tower of hell like you're escaping like the seven layers of hell i mean as an example it's not exactly the seven layers but Mm -hmm. you're escaping these layers of hell but also at the end of each stage you go into a confessional and you are sort of brought up uh towards heaven with you know these angelic choirs and this is depicted as a tower. So not only do we have the sort of layers of hell allegory, but we've also got a bit of the Tower of Babel, right? Of somebody trying, uh, of a people trying to get closer to God to become more godlike. So we've got these two ideas sandwiched here with <laughs> with Vincent Brooks' Everyman. Um, it's, it's super interesting, too. 
It is. But these are uh, those techniques are a lifesaver. <laughs> like, yeah. They saved my behind so many times. Did you guys have like when you were going through and so you you see a technique, did were you able to remember that when you went into the next puzzle? Because I was not able to. <laughs> I, I couldn't like think of the name i wasn't like oh that's the old spider swing or whatever they yeah. call him you know <laughs> like i know this i got I, this guy just taught me it um but you know i definitely remembered some of the techniques there were specific points where i was like oh like yes i went over this if i can like pull this block on top of this one then pull the one under it and to the edge i could then make a climbing platform and so the imagery that because when they when you learn these new techniques, it's not just somebody telling you through like text dialogue or, or through um you know voice acting. You actually get to see it play out. Mm-hmm. So uh, the visual of seeing it play out stuck with me, and I was able to like bring that up when it at appropriate times during the puzzles. Yeah, I don't know how you guys felt, but I I found that there were like three techniques that would get me through like 65% of everything Mm -hmm. Uh, and the rest of the time I would just wing it. (laughs) Um, But like there's one technique in general and specifically that I I can't think of how to describe it in an auditory medium without people's eyes glazing (sighs) over. But like if if you can just get two blocks, then you can climb a wall basically just by manipulating sets of two blocks. I, that got me through so much of this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, There was one like bread and butter technique that got me through the entire game, basically. But I I really had a hard time remembering when they were like, oh, you, you know, if you're faced with this complex situation, here's this complex maneuver to get out of it. I never remembered how to do any of those. But again, puzzles are fun. We had a good time. Um, You mentioned the confessionals, Rick, in between the levels. Uh, In those confessionals, they will ask you questions about your opinion about a certain situation. Um, let's, let's just use a hypothetical example that I don't think is a real example from the game, but they'll say, uh, if your spouse cheats on you, uh, but is repentant, will you forgive them? And you answer yes or no. And then they show you data from other players, which I thought was interesting, kind of fun. Um, and that puts you on a kind of morality meter that plays into what ending you're going to get. So, you have the endings where you're picking which like which lady which Catherine you want to be with, but also your morality plays into it too. So it multiplies the number of possible endings and really sets up replayability if you like what this game is doing. Um I don't know if it was from other players. That's the thing that I was unsure of because if if you would think, right? Like you see it and I was like, oh this must be other people's answers. But then if you notice it actually says like Men only, ages 20 through 30. So it was like, did they do a separate survey for that? That's if you're playing offline, it gives you that. If you're playing online, it shows you player data. Interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure how they would have gathered that data for the offline mode, really. Um, (laughs) The same way the Jackbox people do it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. One, One of the coolest things about this is like, Catherine does morality in such a unique way. Like thinking about something like Disco Elysium or Fallout, um, it's when you make moral choices in those games, the game then uses those to shape your character and the world around you. It fundamentally changes the experience. In Catherine, 
I mean, it serves a functional experience to get you down the different paths, but it doesn't change Vincent. It doesn't change the game. It doesn't Mm -hmm. change. You don't get any different scenes. You just go down the different routes. It's really sort of this, this theme of like judgment, but you're really just putting yourself out there for everybody else to judge your answers. And then you judge them too. It's, it's really interesting. I hated it when I first played it. Cause I was like, this is stupid. Like give me fallout new Vegas. But you know, now just thinking about it more, I think it's, it's really interesting. It is interesting how the morality at play here is not good and evil. And I'll save like more on that for the spoiler section, but it's, it's not, it's not just, you know, angels and devils basically. So that's cool. Um, the other part of the gameplay is the social sim part where during the day, Vincent does whatever the fuck he does during the day. Cause he sure as hell not going to work very often. I don't think. Um, but at night you go into the bar, uh, the bar is called the stray sheep bar and you watch cutscenes and conversations of Vincent and his friends. That's mandatory every single time. But then you have the chance as Vincent to get up and explore the bar and talk to the other patrons or talk to your friends more. And we talked about the characters earlier, but the characters in the stray sheep are all interesting. And I wanted to talk to everyone and find out what they had to say, especially those ladies at the next booth. <laughs> I was, uh, I was very dutiful about this. I was like, okay, I will exhaust the dialogue and I will move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, do anything beyond that. I know, um, the customers cycled in and out, which I thought was kind of cool. It kind of took on like a live bar scene. If you stay mm-hmm. longer, you know, people might all of a sudden come in and they weren't there before. And it's a new set of people you could either listen to or talk to. So I thought that was a cool dynamic. But um, yeah, for me, it was just like, okay, I could talk to each person twice and then they have nothing more to say. Let's do that. And I don't know if if either of you experienced this, but I, I too tried to be exhaustive when I talked to people. Never once did I save everybody in a single playthrough. Never. No, me either. And we, uh, I guess we missed this part. When you're doing the puzzle sections and you're climbing, you're not alone on the the tower. You're not the only one climbing. And I, I wish that they kind of explored this a little bit more than they ended up doing but it is cool that you're not the only one climbing. Um, and so, yeah, some people will not be at the bar anymore. And it's, it's interesting to see how that plays out uh, for sure. At the bar, uh, you can drink because it's a bar and Vincent is an alcoholic. So you can drink and you have three stages of drunkness that you can get to shown by these little bottles on the side. Um, and it has an interesting gameplay element to it too, where the more you drink, the faster you move during the puzzle sections. So you're encouraged to take your time, have a few drinks, talk to people. Uh, I guess you could just sit there and pound the drinks down and then leave without talking to anyone. But if, I don't know if you're doing that, then like how much of this game are you really getting? So it's, um, I thought that was cool. And uh, Rick's favorite part, after you finish a drink, you get a little trivia fact. I love those little trivia factoids, man. Like, like just little, uh, snippets like a uh, cocktail. I'm, that's where the name comes from. Cocktail trivia. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's fun. Um, but they really don't give you any, uh, reason not to get drunk every night, you know, because you do move faster. Mm-hmm. There are no other negative repercussions. <laughs> that's so true. It's, they're they're basically encouraging it. I mean, you could make a read like, oh yeah, of course, because 
Vincent is self-focused. It's hedonism. But I mean, just every night, just get drunk because then you get the cool facts and you move faster. Yeah. The voice will chime in and tell you the history of loggers in, in Europe or something <laughs> like that. It is kind of cool. And But I did, I did like the little touch. Like if you drink three, uh, then Erica will come over again and she'll be like, you still want to drink? Uh-huh. It's like, that's, that's a nice touch. That's cute. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't drink much. <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't know. I was more interested. Like I said, I was dutiful in talking to everybody. So I'd, I'd have like one drink a night and be done with it. Um, and I don't feel like it was a hindrance to me solving yeah. the puzzles in any way. Like, uh, the way the puzzles are set up, speed isn't really, uh, going to help you in every one of them so yeah yeah Yeah. it's true it's not like if you drink three drinks you're like the flash or something like that like you're you're marginally faster but it's not maybe it's a it would be competitive advantage if you're if you're doing esports catherine tournaments or something they make the the real esports athletes drink before the catherine matches that would be good I, uh, you, you get to choose your drink though. That's pretty cool. So you can Mm -hmm. choose between wine, sake, beer, and uh, a cocktail. And then the trivia will be related to whatever that drink is. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. I mean, in real life, if you're a wine person, you could, you could get wine facts. Mm -hmm. I got sake facts because I want to learn more about sake. So kind of cool. Ooh, can I, um, out of those four, like what's, what's, what's your drink of choice, gentlemen? I'm, I'm beer through and through. Me too. Yeah. I don't drink anymore, uh, but it was it was everything. Uh, and but I, I came to appreciate scotch uh, in my later day. Mm-hmm. I haven't reached uh, the age where my my taste buds stop tasting so much, and I can enjoy scotch. <laughs> well, it's I mean it's the right <laughs> scotch, and it's uh-huh. like you know a lot of people are like, oh, you got to drink it straight up, like don't put any ice in it. And I was like, no, I always put like a cube in it and uh kind of softens the flavor a little bit and it really is like the second sip where you really appreciate it in my opinion so rick rick you're a beer guy too Beer guy through and through uh my my uh my gut will give me away before my words ever do <laughs> yeah it's um i i i'm not a cocktail person i had a rough time with cocktails in college so i don't drink them anymore um but you know i have a beer i'll have some wine uh, when I lived in Korea, soju, of course, because it's it's the best way to get very drunk for less than a dollar. So there we go. Um, so yeah, the 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 social sim stuff. Um, it's not like in Persona where you're forming social links that level up and stuff like that. You're you're just going around talking to people in the bar, and it's largely driven by how much you want to spend time talking to people in the bar. How interesting you find these characters how interesting maybe you think that their weigh-ins about the story are and stuff like that. But I, I, I really dug this and I, I talked to everybody and like not always out of a gamer compulsion to exhaust everything possible, you know? It, it does feel like that um, sometimes. That's why I started a playthrough right at, like one playthrough right after another and on the second playthrough, I didn't talk to a single person just mm-hmm. to see what would happen. Yeah. Um, but it does, it, and I mean it, it does eat up time. I had a solid like three and a half hour difference of, uh, of, of between my two playthroughs. Mm-hmm. So this is a good time, I think, to get into some kind of final thoughts and recommendations for the non-spoiler portion of this episode uh, before we start talking about spoilers and talking about what's actually going on in Catherine. So the question here, guys, is 
Do you have any just thoughts in summary, but more importantly, who would you recommend Catherine to? I, I'm a little biased uh, in case you couldn't tell. Like I'm a mark for everything in this game. And I apologize. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Um, but I would recommend this game to a couple of groups of people. Like if you're a puzzle person, definitely give this a shot because it it scratches an itch pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're at all interested in anything that Atlas has done before, there's probably something in this game that you will appreciate. And then, you know, just people that like a good dramatic anime story like that's that's here you don't have to look into the themes to have fun here like then that's what makes it so good just like just like disco elysium we talked about before dave you don't have to engage with any of the deeper themes you can just enjoy the story and it's mm-hmm. still fun so yeah uh and then maybe don't play it if you if you really hate anime yeah you know try something else first <laughs> yeah i i would say i would could strongly recommend it to anyone who enjoys puzzle games uh anybody who enjoys waifus um or is a weeb no i'm kidding (laughs) i had to get a live there dude um gosh i think the thing that surprised me is how much i enjoyed the story aspects of it uh as i mentioned i'm not a big jrpg fan haven't played a persona game um i typically just have a hard time with those undertakings that are 60 plus hours of JRPG gameplay. Catherine was not that, and it was refreshing. Um, it is a very interesting story. It goes places that you don't suspect. So if you like things that keep you guessing uh, with a little bit of mystery behind them and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and puzzles, I think you'll have a good time with this. The one gripe I'll say is uh, the ending? I expected to come a lot sooner than it did. Um, it it the last two hours, I was like, "This is this should be." It feels like it should be over by now. Uh, <laughs> it kept surprising me that it wasn't, but uh, I, I you know the gameplay was enough to keep me going, so it wasn't that big of a hindrance. But you know, who am I to say it could be an hour shorter? I don't make video games, and I'm not a writer. So true. <laughs> You're, you're kind of right, though. The pacing gets a little weird at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I guess for my wrap-up thoughts here, I'll just echo what you guys said, but also add on top of that, if you, like I said at the beginning, if you want to play a game that is unlike the other games that you've played, Catherine's probably very unique. Um, I, I can't think of another game that is about the same subject material with the same combination of like gameplay and... Uh, social sim type stuff. Really interesting game. That's what I thought I would get from it. And that's what I got. So if you want a game that is unlike any other, try Catherine. It's really interesting. So we will get into what really makes it interesting in the spoiler section. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping, as is traditional in the housekeeping section. First, I will turn it over to you guys to let people know where they can find your podcast. So Rick, you first. Pixel Project Radio, good show, but where can people find it? Well, uh, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, pretty much. Spotify, Apple, Podcast Addict, whatever you want. Uh, Social-wise, we're on Instagram and Twitter under Pixel Project Radio. Same profile picture, too. Makes it super easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we've, got a Discord, <laughs> we've got a Discord as well, and you can find that link in, uh, in the socials and in the episode description, so... That's where you can find us. And thank you, Dave. I appreciate the kind words. And they are reciprocated because Tales from the Backlog 
is the place to be. And that is why we're here. That's true. That is why you guys are here because it was the place to be tonight at eight o'clock. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, Rick has been for listeners of the show. If you want more Rick on Tales from the Backlog, he has been on more episodes than I can count in my head right now. Uh, so Disco Elysium for one, Yakuza Like a Dragon, uh, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, uh, Final Fantasy IX, and probably another that I'm forgetting. What a weeb. No, I'm <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Speaking of I weebs, you, Ryan, how about Listoff? Uh, it's out there, man. Uh, yeah, you can <laughs> find Listoff podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you don't necessarily have to seek out our socials. I'm not that active on them anymore. But we do have a Discord where if mm-hmm. you may have made it this far into a Catherine episode and you happen to like a game called Marvel Snap, uh, we do regular Marvel Snap tournaments on my Discord. So if that interests you, uh, yeah, join up man, and have a good time. Yeah, a good group it, is, of people. it is the premier place to be for Marvel Snap stuff. <laughs> this is the busiest Discord channel in all of the 65 Discord servers that I'm a part of at this point. Well, wow, that's uh, surprising. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good time. It's a good group of people for sure, for sure. And thanks thanks for having me on, Dave. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course, guys. Um, and if you want more Ryan on Tales from the Backlog, Ryan was on an episode about Death's Door with Brian, the other half of Listoff. The uh, rare Ryan Brian on, appearance. Right, the rare Brian guest yeah. appearance. I was so honored. Um, Ryan was on the Elden Ring episode and the God of War Ragnarok episode. So the 2022 game of the year, head-to-heads, Ryan was on both of those episodes. So for Tales from the Backlog, if you would like to support the show, uh, I would love it if you took a second and wrote a rating and review. Those are super helpful for podcasts. I love everyone who does that. And I love you too, but only if you're going to go do that right now. Um, Tales from the Backlog also has a Patreon. And if you choose to support the show monetarily, that is awesome. And if you choose not to, that's cool. I also love you. So I also have a Discord server, lots of Discord servers out there. All three of these, the List Off, Pixel Project Radio, the Tube Discord server, all good places to be. Uh, Lots of good people, including Rick and Ryan in all three of those places. You can find all of us. So um, I also have another show called a top three podcast where it is a list podcast, but it's usually not about video games. So if you want to hear me talk about other stuff, that's the place. So we are going to take a little music break. When we come back, it is full spoiler time for Catherine. I'm back with Rick and Ryan. We're talking spoilers for Catherine full body. First discussion point to start up. Who did you pick? Who is the best girl? So who did I end up with or who would I pick? 
Okay, I guess we'll say who did you end up with, and was that who you were hoping to end up with? So I ended up with K. Catherine, um, mm-hmm. which like is it, not disappointing for me. Although I will talk more about that later. But I would I would pick nobody if if that were an option. Um, and it's not any fault of any of the Catherines. I just think my man Vincent's got some growing up to do. Before he, he, some de- time he deserves yeah. Yeah, anybody. <laughs> yeah. He needs to he needs to figure himself out, like for real. <laughs> um so yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, along those lines, I also ended up with K. I would have picked K, um, but that's who I ended up with. And it was an easy choice for me because I, I think that the game wants to portray K as pushy and demanding. Uh, wants Vincent to get his shit together and start a family and stuff like that. I think she's pretty reasonable considering how Vincent is as a person. Like I, I, I thought like, yes, they're portraying her as this like opposite of C Catherine, but I, I was the whole game. I was like, dude, Vincent, look across the table at what's right across the table from you. She's awesome. Why would you not? What, what is making this so difficult? So I mean, other, I mean, you don't want to get married and have kids. That's, that's your decision too. But Vincent's not making a decision. So I was more frustrated with him and I was like, Kay has the right point. So at the end I ended up with her. I would have picked her if it is a choice choice, which it's not, but we'll talk about that. Rick, how about you? On this most recent playthrough, I did the Rin ending, Mm -hmm. um, which is new to full body. And we'll get into that later. I mean, just talking about the original two choices, C and K, it's, I mean, not, none of them, none of these characters are presented without flaws, right? Right. But K is far and away the most reasonable. And I think, like, I, I can't imagine somebody earnestly picking C, you know? Um, yeah. So, of course, it'd be K. But, Ryan, to your point, there is a freedom ending where you don't end up with anybody. You end up by yourself. I'm surprised I didn't get it. I was really, like... <laughs> pulling for it. But I also answered the questions honestly, so I'm also not surprised by the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. is... Oh, I was that just going to say, shout out to... Sorry, dude. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> no, you. Uh, we're so cute. Um, no, I would say, I think Rin is a really good choice. Um, I think for Vincent, she's like... She like sees him in a way, you know? That like the other people don't and see and sees him for who he is and appreciates him for who he is mm-hmm. and like the dialogue between the two of them was the most powerful to me like there was some genuine dialogue where you know it, it, in some ways it's portrayed as though Rin thinks Vincent can do no wrong but uh Vincent is like really kind to Rin and you see a side of him too that you don't really see come out with the other girls you know he kind of pushes the other two away. Whereas with Rin, he's like, Hey, like you're okay. You can do it. Like, you know, really tries to build her up and she tries to build him up. And like, that's a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. I- I'm going to insert a pin into this because I, there's so much to talk about there, but now is not the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I-, I will agree with Ryan though, that of the three people that Vincent talks to, the three Catherine's, uh, by the way, I, uh, we, I think we, we said it 
in the non-spoiler part, but her her name is also Catherine, but it starts with a Q, which is hilarious to me that that's oh, that had me, decided to do that. <laughs> that had me literally dying, dude. Yeah. Like when they when you find out it's like Catherine, <laughs> right? But to your point, the dialogue between Rin and Vincent is the most loving and supporting supportive dialogue of any of the conversations that Vincent has. Like hundred percent, maybe only like Erica but Erica's not one of the options in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how these turn out though, because like I thought, and we kind of set it up this way in the non-spoiler part on accident, but I thought it was going to be a game where at the end they were like, okay, pick who you want. And that doesn't happen. It's it's the culmination of lots and lots of choices that you've made throughout the game. Uh, your morality meter probably plays into it, but I assume like, whose text you decide to respond to how lovingly you or how nice you are in the text messages, all that stuff plays into it. Like maybe Rick, you can shed some light on like, what is it that actually like mechanically picks who you end up with? Mechanically, it is entirely dependent upon the morality meter and its position and some key questions in the story. Like not every question matters, Mm -hmm. but at a certain point, like for Rin's route, for example, you have to answer certain questions and send certain texts. For C and K, it's largely just, are you on the order side or the chaos side for okay. the morality meter? And then to get the good, neutral, or bad endings of each of those respectively, it depends on some questions you answer. Okay. Uh, but that's really the, the long and short of it. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I like how it the the result... The person you end up with, or if you end up alone, I like how it's a culmination of lots of mini choices that you've made throughout the game and not just one giant choice at the end. Yeah, feels earned that way. So we'll talk more about endings after we talk about what the fuck is going on in the story here. So I, I'm, I'm going to just kind of skip over the first several hours of the game. I think the, the main thing is that Vincent you know, is cheating on Catherine, cheating on K with C. Um, and then at night he's tormented by these things from his personal life. So one level, the boss puzzle is K and it's like an evil version of her. Then she tells him she's pregnant. So that night the, the, the boss is a demonic baby and stuff like that. So, so we go through this and we're kind of uncovering the mystery of why these dreams are happening and what's going on. And this is like, in my opinion, so cool, but I didn't immediately think it was cool that what's actually happening is that this is not punishment for cheating men, which I thought it was at the beginning. It is punishment for indecisive men who will not commit and get into relationships and have babies because uh, this kind of context was easier for me to kind of latch onto because uh, I lived in Korea for a long time and population shrinkage is happening in Korea too. And that's like the culprit here in this story as well, where the Japanese population is shrinking, uh, not enough babies are being born. And so this demonic entity named Thomas Mutton, which is very funny, mm-hmm. um, is tormenting these men into either dying or committing. And in that way, either committing and having children or dying and freeing up those women to get with men who will commit 
and have children. And when this was first brought up, I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. That's wait, hold on. Population shrinkage. That makes a lot that that's really cool. I actually love this a lot. This went completely over my head when I first played it. Um, I and because I'm, you know, I'm an American and at the time I wasn't, you know, really keyed into looking up thematic material in video games. But Mm -hmm. when it was pointed out to me, it like it sparked a new love for this game because it's 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 so well done. And I know this is not my place to shout out other channels, um, but there's a really phenomenal uh, YouTube essay called The the herbivore man and the Christmas cake by beyond Ghibli. How dare it you? It's just f- <laughs> 15 minutes of just focused, well-written analysis on this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get the personal touches and the, uh, the lovable hosts like you do here, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a very cool, cool analysis. It was cool. I'll, I'll put that down in the show notes for people. If they want to take a look at that, that was very validating to see you uh, link an essay and then, what he's talking about is exactly what I took from, I didn't get the the herbivore male side of things, but definitely the population shrinkage. Because they like kind of talk about it in the game, but they don't say this is exactly why we want you to commit and have kids. I thought there was a point where the boss did, and I did not get that from the story either, uh, I, up to what I thought was the ending. But then as I mentioned before, there was like that whole like two more hours of ending there. Mm-hmm. And the there is a point where the boss talks to you and he's pretty blatant like men like like it, I wouldn't have made the connection on a grand scale like the essay did a very good job of uh relating it to Japanese culture but he does say like men like you are the problem and you know having the context of that video essay going into that conversation it was like oh damn like mm-hmm. this makes perfect sense now so that was I, I thank you for sharing it, and I would I would definitely uh, second Rick and recommend it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was such a problem in Japan, the declining birth rates, um, and apparently it is like a large portion is because of like men like that are roughly our age not wanting to settle down and and have children because like they don't like the way that you know uh, modern women they want a traditional relationship. And it's so cool that the game is like no, actually this is what it's about. And then when you look back, you're like oh my god, it fits. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, I'm really glad that somebody pointed that out to me because like, Dave, you got it in one. I wouldn't have got it. Well, (laughs) it wasn't pointed out. Well, you're talking about the layers of the game, too. And like, I got I don't know. It's a Catherine ending with a K. I don't know which one it is, but we ended up getting married. And and like Vincent is very much now this devoted man and a changed man. And I, I kind of like. I felt like I gave Thomas Mutton exactly what he fucking wanted. And I wanted to like rebel against that at that point too. So that's that, that's that punk rock side of you, Ryan. Yeah. It was an interesting dynamic, (laughs) man. It was, it was like, wait a minute. Like I spent all this time defeat, like defying him. Right. Once he reveals himself. And it was like, that was really well told that whole climax. And, um, and then to have it come back at the ending and here I am like, getting happily married i'm like no he won like this dude won he got the guy that he wanted and the problem vincent is gone in his eyes so it was interesting it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard for me to not see that as a good ending vincent getting his shit together basically after spending 12 hours being really fucking frustrated with how vincent handles this situation 
uh, in his life. So I did see that as like a good ending. Um, I also thought that at the, so at the very end, Vincent gives this big speech about how his life is his own and how, you know, you are not going to you're not going to decide how this goes for me, even though, like you said, Ryan, he kind of does. Um, but I thought that that was maybe Vincent standing up for men like him. And if we want to extend this out of just Japanese culture and into, you know, our culture that we're more familiar with, there's societal pressures on us to, you know, have kids. Uh, you know, I don't have any kids. I've been married for several years now. I don't have plans to have kids right now. And this speech was kind of like, yeah, like, luckily I don't have family members pressuring me to have kids, but I, people ask that question a lot. And it's kind of, I kind of identified with Vincent in that moment to just be like, no, this is my life. I'm going to live it the way that I want to. Um, And, but then he does, (laughs) you know, get his shit together and settle down at the end of my game and yours there too. But I, I liked kind of, both sides of this, but I do think that the kind of the theme and the focus on the shrinking population and this type of man who uh, is either afraid of women or uh, non-committal because there's not his perfect woman out there, all these different ranges of reasons why the population is shrinking. There's also um, socioeconomic factors that play into that. You know, I'm more familiar with the Korean side of things, but the population shrinkage is not just men's fault. Uh, this game focuses on this particular type of man though. So that's what I guess we're focusing on, but I thought that was cool. And I, I liked how Vincent also stood up for himself a little bit at the end. That was a big circle. I just walked there. <laughs> no, it was, I mean, it just as everything you both have said, super well said. Um, it's, it's cool though, that this game is able to talk about issues regarding men in a mature way that's not like just okay men bad but it's also not like that one parks and rec episode with the men's right group men's rights group the meninists yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like it's it's in between it's it's talked about in a sensible way like hey there's a problem with men in today's culture here's what it's causing let's make a video game about it and like some of the routes yeah some of the routes aren't going to be as thematically locked in but at the same time it's a video game so like you know, it's video game things. I, and I never got the impression the game was judging me in any way, like regardless of the choice you make, right? Which is cool. It is cool, a cool feeling. Like it's not here to tell you, like you said, men bad, like being a certain way is evil. Um, it kind of just lays out different points of view and that's it. And you get the ending you get and it's not really like, a good ending, a bad ending. It's just a different one. Well, I do think that this game is kind of pinning the blame on these men for this population shrinkage problem. And I don't think that that's entirely fair. Now, the type of man who Vincent is and his friends are, you know, they they have their share of blame for how their lives are going. But some of his friends, especially because they're having the dreams, too. Some of his friends, especially, like, didn't strike me as people who deserve to be punished. And, like, I don't know. I, I, I do think that, like, blaming all of this on the men in the story, like, they are the only reason why this population shrinkage is happening is kind of unfair. 
Well, one of his friends, the guy in the plaid hat, is like straight up a womanizing like jerk, right? Like he he, he kind of. I mean, you find out more about him, but he definitely right. has that. Like if I if you were observing him from say the viewpoint of a bartender, you would probably see him as a womanizing jerk, right? Yeah, the scope of this game, I feel, is just not big enough to focus on that problem as a whole, you right. know, Dave. And right. So I think they chose to focus on the the issue of, you know, men's choices, men not wanting to commit or settle down, and then just created the cast of characters as representing the Japanese population. Mm-hmm. Um, and then spinning in the whole, like, you know, men can't talk about their feelings and that turns them into bitter, shitty people. Uh, you know, using Orlando as an example, um, yes, he's a he's a womanizer. He's always telling Vincent, you know, don't settle down. Like, you want to end up like me? Marriage fucking sucks. Uh, but we find out that it's because his wife left him and now mm-hmm. she's like more successful and he's just, he doesn't have anyone to talk to about it. So mm-hmm. he turns into a bad person. Dude, um, I, I want to, I know I'm going off the rails to a different talking point, but can we talk about like the dream sequence and talking to other guys and how that, I, that was the coolest part for me, how yeah. it was like, like you said, it's earlier, it's focused on this idea of like, Alpha male, sigma male, you could call it now, right? That's the new fucking term everybody's <laughs> new using. New male just dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you hear about the new male? <laughs> oh, God. What's wrong with people? Anyway. <laughs> um, and, you know, initially, the conversation between the sheep is like, everybody wants to keep each other at arm's length. Every Nobody wants to talk to you. I, I, I remember a line from the first night uh, you go up and talk to a sheep, and he's like, "Newsflash, fuck you!" Right? <laughs> like, uh, it was just hilarious. But like, as you make it to the next level, they're kind of like, "Oh yeah, like we could be successful if we team up and share techniques." And you start like having genuine conversations with some of these people, and you start finding out what their issues are personally, and it it becomes the place that they can share those things that they don't typically talk about because like men don't talk about feelings. Right. And it, and even when you start seeing those people in real life at the stray sheep, their attitudes have now kind of shifted. They're no longer those pieces of shit that you run into for some, it takes longer than others. Um, and for some, they never get there, but that's also going to happen in life. But like, that was such a cool part of the game, watching that develop with all the different characters throughout the course of the game. I was like, really impressed by how they did that. Yeah, the the slow realization that the people in the dreams were the people from the bar was really cool for me to figure out. Because sometimes people at the bar, like in the last half of the game, will start to say like, hey, don't I know you from somewhere? Or like... I recognize right. your voice, but before that, I was like, I recognize that hat. Yeah, or exactly. Or stuff that like that. So yeah. that, that was a cool realization to have. So I think that we have to discuss, before we start talking about the different endings, because these tie in together, I want to talk about the reputation of transphobia that this game has. And now, this is something that in my playthrough, I did not really come across because I didn't know that there was a transgender character because I thought that Rin was transgender based on the way that Vincent reacts when he sees Rin naked. But more on that later, because Rin is not transgender. Rin is something else entirely. 
what actually is, is that Erica is transgender and it's really only spelled out if you get an ending, um, a certain ending or set of endings, which I didn't get. You get a couple of hints though. Erica gets the dreams, which only affect men in the game. I personally, I was like, you know what? We're in fucking fantasy land now. Sure. Erica gets the dreams. I I didn't read into that too much. And let's see, there was, there's one other thing. Oh, um, at some point in the story, Toby sleeps with Erica and the group, uh, is visibly like disturbed by that idea. Yeah. Like Orlando quickly changes the subject. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's highlighted by when he talks about it, he's like, yeah, oh, you know, it was my first time, but like, I didn't expect it to kind of go that way. It was kind of like, it was a little uncomfortable. And that's when, you know, I didn't catch that either though, because you know, he didn't know what to expect from his first time having sex. And then also the group reacting the way they did read to me as like, you know, they have a long history with Erica and you've just had sex with someone in the close friend group. The group Mm -hmm. is going to react a certain way to that. So I I didn't catch on this. It's damning with really faint praise, but like really faint praise, but you could go through a playthrough and not even realize it. Like you said, it comes off as just like, you know, I hate this phrase, but she's quote one of the guys. Yeah. So like they rib on her just as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point in the K. Catherine ending though, where uh, I think um, one of the other friends, the quiet friend, goes to take a picture of Erica with Toby, and he's like, "No, like, no, don't take a picture," and like shrugs her off. And he's like, "They used to call you Eric back in the day, right? Um, like they knew you as Eric and blah blah blah." And it was like. That's when it became apparent to me. Uh, and that's also like very problematic, right? Like to be like, it'll get away from me. Right. That didn't sit well with me at all, but that didn't happen in my ending uh, either. I, I got a different, there's, there's multiple endings where Catherine K and Vincent get married. It's just the ending that you got went further than the ending that I got. Uh, your ending had their wedding in it, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it because I got gold trophies? It might've been. Um, mine go. ended just them um, doing wedding prep stuff. So oh. anyway, um, in that ending there, there is that like yuck, get away from me type of uh, response. And then uh, this kind of just feeling that I got, cause I, I did watch that ending that Erica tricked Toby into sleeping with her, uh, which is it's just not a good look. And I, I'm kind of happy to say it, it's still not a very sensitive portrayal at, in these endings, but I'm happy to say that I did read that they fixed a lot of actually problematic shit from the original version of the game. That was largely Atlas of USA's doing. Um, there, there's an aspect of this. It was in 2011. Japan is a much more socially conservative nation than mm-hmm. than we are. I'm not saying it excuses it. But looking at it, you know, judging it as a work of 2023 is a little tricky, right? Um, so it's it's not surprising. It's good that they updated this. It is good. I don't think it would be entirely fair to dismiss the game because of this um, as a work. I think, like, on a personal level, uh, yes, that's nobody can tell you not to dismiss this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's... It's it's unfortunately just how things were. Um, and thankfully, like you said, they're they're changing now. 
um, which is good. It's man, Atlas in general just cannot portray gender identity well. You see this in every Persona game. There's jokes about cross-dressing and, oh, the men's actually a woman. Mm-hmm. Ugh, oh, my I mean, God. You see and, that and it's, in anime, too, right? You do. Yeah. You, you really do. Uh, Persona 5, like not the royal version, but had some really gross depictions of, of a gay couple, and they had to retcon that in, in the royal. It's Atlas just can't seem to get a hang of this, like in a way that that isn't just gross or at most bizarre like with rin like that the whole rin storyline <laughs> to me is just bizarre yeah before we talk about rin um i i do want to just note that while playing the game and thinking about the way erica's character is portrayed throughout the game even through the part where Erica has sex with Toby and then we start to get into some like, you know, everyone's totally yucked out by that and Toby's mad that he got tricked or whatever. Erica is a confident, a self-confident person throughout the entire story. And I thought that that was good. And even though I went through the game without knowing that Erica is transgender, I came like to, to the end of it and then found that out and read about all these other stuff, watched the other endings. But then I'm thinking back and there was no, like, I don't know. I, I thought that and maybe this has changed from the original version too, but uh, or the way people talk to Erica and stuff, but I thought Erica was an included member of the group for most of the game until the stuff we already talked about and a very self-confident person, which is, I don't know, a good portrayal Um, And even when Toby starts to freak out and stuff like that, Erica doesn't change the way that she acts as far as I know. So that is good, I think. Yeah, no, I I think that's really well said. Uh, I do think in some ways the game has to be commended. You mentioned it's from 2011. It it can be clumsy at times, but you're looking at it through a more contemporary lens. Like, we had Birdo. Right. And we had like Ivy, like there weren't transgender people really existing as characters in video games. So including one in your video game. And like you said, Dave, having it be a person who is self-confident and self-assured for it's a, it's something that you didn't see at the time. They were trying given the, the climate that they were in at the time they were, they were trying it's just like with anything else, like with uh, Mazursky, uh, he was an anti-Semite. So you got to talk about that when you talk about his music or the Beatles, like John Lennon was a known, uh, known to ab- abuse his spouses. And you've got to talk about that whenever you talk about the music, you can't separate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean you can't separate it, but I mean, it's important to, to tackle both issues. Right. 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 Yeah. Especially when, you know, looking critically at something. Um, now, we we acknowledge that they tried and there were some good things that they did uh, even back in 2011, but then they like undercut it so hard in so many ways um, in the original game. Uh, I didn't go through the old dialogue, but I did read that they cut a lot more disparaging dialogue uh, from the game. And in the credits, Erica is dead named as Eric, and then it puts Erica in parentheses oh, in the original game. Uh, in Damn. full body, they did fix that. So again, they they're trying. To be clear, I was I was saying they should be commended having only played the full body version, which doesn't do things like dead name her. You know, right? So uh, yeah, 
obviously if I played the 2011 version that had that sort of thing included, I would, I would feel very differently about it. Yeah. Um, now the three of us are cis white dudes. So, you know, if our opinion is not valuable to you, totally understand our opinions, not the most important on stuff like this. So yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a topic that like I don't feel like you can really dive deep into this game without talking about this, but um, I am I'm looking at like the list of things that they changed from the original to full body. It's uh, it's good and then also frightening to see what what the original was like. Speaking of frightening, good God, let's talk about Rin. On on the back of this issue with transphobia, um, they had an opportunity here to make a really good representation of a trans character with Rin. Yeah. And they just did some fuck all shit. Like they they really this is why I say I don't like the full body version as much. They they bungled this like crazy. Not only is it antithetical to the theming of the story, but they could have done better like and included a trans character that was trans but is just a good character that happens to be trans but they don't they make it into this weird like oh it's oh she's a foreign it's it's uh rin is a foreign being like what so yeah so i i watched the trailer for catherine full body yeah is that true buckle buckle up ryan (laughs) okay because i didn't see any of that so i'm like for catherine full body and it shows the scene in the trailer. It shows the scene where Vincent sees Rin naked and freaks out. So it was very easy to assume that they're going to show either another transgender character or something that's just, you know, not a non-traditional gender uh, character or something like that. And instead, what they did was lead you along that path like you think that that's what, the, what it's going to be, even after Vincent finds out that Rin is not a woman like you thought she was for the first several hours of the game. Not only that, she's a fucking alien. So they had a chance and they just, this is why like, I want to extend them grace on the other side of improvements that they made, but then they had a chance. They had a real chance to rewrite this and do good. I really got to walk back what I said earlier because I did not see any of this. I didn't see any of this. it's, It's in the Rin true ending there so she she just like disappeared in in my playthrough um right mine too yeah yeah. so this is crazy (laughs) that's i'm pulling out the pin that i put in way back uh that's one of my issues with the rin ending is that um first of all it's antithetical to the theme right because rin and vincent fall in love with each other and at first brush you're like oh it's like they love each other for each other how special but the whole game, the theming is about how these men are selfish and causing problems. And then somebody comes in and says, well, I, I love you just the way you are. And it's like, what message are you sending? Um, that plus the fumbling with the, the whole identity issue and trying it. It almost comes off as a read as, oh, trans people are alien. 
not okay. Really not okay. Yeah. Um, and then third, like you said, Ryan, she just disappears. Like everything mm. with Rin is like patched in. It's like when you patch up a pair of jeans with a patch that's like a little bit of a different color. It doesn't look like it's belong. It belongs, but somebody sewed it there, so it it can't be separated. That's how everything with Rin felt to me. Well, like to the point where will, to the point where some characters like getting in and out of the actual story and into the Rin story, they'll like lead in with like so anyway or in other news. Like it's it's so clumsy. I did want to just say I'll stick by what I said earlier as far as Rin and um Vincent encouraging each other in a positive way because she's not saying like, oh, you're a piece of shit and I, I love you just the way you are. She encourages the good side of him. Now, I really do have to walk back what I said earlier about um, maybe the portrayal of uh, like non-gender specific people knowing this now. Uh, yeah, this definitely is a big, it's ugly. It's ugly. To have a character like Rin be an alien. I, I did not know that at all. Trust me, it didn't come up in my game either. And when I went to um, watch the other endings, I was specifically interested in what Rin's ending would be. Because in my game too, Vincent freaked out when he saw Rin naked. Rin got offended and then disappeared forever. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I, I know that you can get an ending with Rin, so I want to see it. And she's it's a fucking alien. And it's it's so stupid it is the dumbest possible outcome for that character when i when i had heard about full body i i was spoiled on uh quote there being a transgender character um and i actually i did not know about erica until very recently so i was under the impression that the transgender character was rin yeah so i was just like holy shit like they they really cannot do gender identity well in these games at all and so I thought Rin was transgender too. I thought that was why Vincent freaked out. Now, I don't know exactly why Vincent freaked out. I don't know what he saw there or didn't see, but I thought that. And then so then I started to think, oh, Vincent f- reacted in the worst way possible. Now he's surprised, whatever. Like I, I can see that, can see being surprised, but like he did not have a good reaction to that. So then I thought about the kind of criticism that I'd heard of this game and I thought it was relating to Rin. And then to find out that this, what it was, what it actually was is just, it's, it's dumb. Now I did think that Rin was weaved into the story pretty naturally up until the point when they disappeared. I, I did not notice any seams or anything like that. Um, I, I enjoyed Rin's part in the story of being this supportive voice for Vincent and for the men in the tower and stuff like that. Um, but then this, I, I, I can't, it's really hard for me to look back on the rest of the game with like a really good viewpoint on Rin's storyline when I know that this was the idea the whole time. It's really stupid. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, the reaction of Vincent, I, I can kind of understand that more because Vincent and his compadres are not portrayed as being role models or having the best values. Uh, the people that are sensible, immediately chide vincent yeah just be like what the fuck dude especially erica erica's the first one to be like hey vincent you fucked up like go apologize right now but you know rin was gone by that point never had another conversation so off on the spaceship or whatever oh and uh (laughs) to, to also mention ryan i don't know what's going on in your head when you're picturing aliens but 
not only are they aliens, they're really fucking stupid and annoying aliens, I think. That's that's so I I mean I remember uh thinking when you first see Rin get introduced, I'm like, what is that giant thing chasing her? Like I can't wait till they uncover that. Never came up again in my playthrough. As you said, yeah. like Rin disappears and I was like, well, <laughs> like where did where did she go? And uh that was it. You know, it that, seemed that like was- it seemed unfinished through in my playthrough. It seemed unfinished, like Rick said, a bad patch. And um, forgive me if if we covered this, but if you're wondering, well, what the heck does aliens have to do with the story? The gist of it is that they were put on Earth as a basically an opposing force to Thomas Mutton uh, and Ishtar, like the people creating the nightmares, and they've been there for years. Uh, years me being like generations, millenniums. It's it's just so lazy. It's weird. It is mind-boggling that this is what this actually was. So that's real dumb. Had I pursued this and like been like, I, I really want to make sure Vincent ends up with Rin, and had I found that this is what was actually going on, I would have been really disappointed. As it stands, just looking at it from the outside, I'm almost even more disappointed that when I'm looking at the game and what what I like about it, and then this is just so tonally different and bad compared to the other stuff uh, that's going on in the story that it's just, it's wild. And so like the whole time I was playing, Rick, I, I know you'd mentioned that you you did not like the additions in full body. Um, the whole time I was playing, I was thinking to myself like, well, I, I like Rin. Rin's nice. I like the character. I like talking to Rin. But then I saw this ending and I was like, oh. Of course, I'm with you. Yeah, I um, I, I was really disappointed the first time I played full body. Uh, just, you know, they make some gameplay changes that are more balanced in the puzzles, which is nice. But, like, I, I thought they crafted the balance of entertaining story and good allegory perfectly in the first one. And this just kind of turned it into, like, a video game. <gasps> yeah. Aliens. A video bro. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So other endings, I guess, um, I sounds like Ryan and I got very similar endings, but Ryan's went a little bit further than mine did. Uh, Rick, are there any other endings that you would like to shout out as being particularly interesting? Um, I, I, the, the freedom ending, Vincent goes to space. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That's like yeah. the gist of it. Yeah. He's got that poster they in would, his room. They would like, let him on a spaceship for sure. They talked about it once in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's kind of silly. I got the true Catherine with a C ending. And uh, do you uh, do either of you know about this one? I don't know. Does she kill him? No. Oh, okay. So um, Vincent decides like he goes up to Mutt and he's like, oh, you know, I, I really like C Catherine. I want to be with her. And he's like, dude, you know, she's like an immortal succubus, right? Yeah. And he's like, we'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like they have this conversation and then you meet her dad who is like a giant, like Dragon Ball Z style demon. <laughs> um, and he's like, Oh, you can't date my daughter. And she's like, but I love him. And he's like, well, my, but my daughter. Uh, and then Vincent becomes like an underworld God. <laughs> wow. It's uh, a pretty anime. Yeah. 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 That's one. That's, that's certainly a good way to describe that. Um, I, I didn't mention this earlier. I put it in the notes and everything to talk about what C Catherine is. And, 
uh, like you said, she's a succubus. Uh, she is her role is to break up these relationships that are going nowhere to free the women back up. And um, I, I thought this was kind of fun. Although I got the distinct sense very early in the game that C. Catherine wasn't real or wasn't human in some capacity. It was not a surprise to me. It's really cool because like it fits so well in the theming because um, they explain to you at a certain point, like you get a call from another lover of Catherine's. Right. And and he's like saying like, oh, this is who my Catherine is. And Vincent's like, oh, my God, you've got the wrong guy. Like, what a relief. No, my Catherine, she's white. Uh, and it's explained later that this succubus demon is able to appear exactly as that individual male uh, male's preference in women. Mm-hmm. So like coming back into this theme of like these men want a traditional marriage, but they refuse to seek it. Catherine with a C is just coming to them because she represents that uh, that whole deal. Pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah. I agree. That is really cool. That I'm laughing in my head about that ending and just how that all plays out with Vincent <laughs> becoming the a god of the underworld or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Like he he literally like grows horns and like a tail and nice. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go watch that one on I'm YouTube. I'm gonna have to I wanna see what the dad looks like. You yeah, can't yeah. Date my daughter. <laughs> Eight simple rules, but succubus edition. <laughs> right. There's a bad ending where Catherine with a K divorces Vincent and uh marries Todd. And becomes really successful. Is that the other friend, Todd? <laughs> uh, Todd was, guy. I think Todd was the womanizer at the bar. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. I think the one with the hair. The one with the hair. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> well, the sheep <laughs> that, with the hair. That's. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's that's how he's like referenced because he's got that like '80s pompadour, right, right, or like '50s pompadour. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. That's that's probably the way this story would go if it were a real story. Is that Catherine would just divorce Vincent and or break mm-hmm. up with him and then uh, continue on and become successful without him dragging her down? Because it's probably what he's doing. So there, are, how many endings are there? There's like more than ten, right? So there are four routes. You've got Rin, C. Catherine, K. Catherine, and Freedom. Each one of those uh, routes has a bad ending a neutral ending and a good ending. I think good and true are the same thing. I don't think there's four per route, but at the very least okay. there's a total of 12. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. Have you, have you seen them all Rick? Oh no, no. <laughs> it's a lot. No, I've seen like, I've seen like three. I'm so, I'm impressed by the fact that there are that many, that much variation to the ending. And not only are there that many, but it sounds like, the differences between right. the endings are really there. It's not subtle yeah. differences. One of them, Vincent gets married. The other one, he becomes like he marries into a family of succubi. <laughs> Th- thankfully with each route, like if you're on the C Catherine route, uh, you can save like at one of the last levels and it's what ending you get true neutral or bad is really dependent on like a series of four or five questions. Mm. And you, it's the same with everyone. So you do not need to play this 12 times. Okay. That's good. So I said in the non-spoiler part that I think that the framing device of the golden playhouse special, uh, with uh, what's her name? Trish, Trisha, Trisha, Trisha. Okay. That I think that that's really dumb and it's mostly because of how it ends. And so after you're done, and I think this plays out after all of these, uh, after you're done, it zooms you, it pulls you out of the story and back into this like 
TV program presentation. You have now finished watching the Golden Playhouse and stuff like that. And she goes into this monologue at the end about how did you enjoy the story that these masterful video game creators have given to you? Now, she explains the morality bar. uh, Red equals freedom. Blue equals order. I like how it's not good and evil. Uh, They're different things. But then she says, like, you know, you could see the stairway that Vincent was climbing as a metaphor and goes on into an explanation of what the metaphor is. And I'm sitting there like, yo, who's playing this game that's not old enough to see that this is a metaphor? This is really stupid. Yeah, it was like uh, increasing eye rolls from me. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, like you said, when she first, like when the game developers give themselves praise is what it actually is. Yeah. That's true. They're <laughs> yeah. the ones who wrote those yeah. lines. She's not a person saying this of her own volition. Right. Right. And then it just escalates <laughs> from there to like, now I'm going to hand feed you what this means. It was a little, it was a bit much. It, it was eye rolly, but because of the way that the voice actor delivers it, um, I can't remember her name. It's Aaron or Erica something, but I just assumed that they were hamming it up because they knew it was silly, but it was still a lot of eye rolling and laughing like, oh my gosh, yeah. we get it. I get it. it. To me, it came off like it did to Dave, like we're so smart, but yeah. you're dumb. So we got to tell you what we did. Aaron Fitzgerald is the voice actress. So yeah, good, good voice yeah. job. Like we said, uh, very good. I just... At the end, it kind of ruined the whole thing came crashing down when they were like, this was a metaphor and here's what the metaphor was. And I'm like, ah, come on. Like, you know, I'm pretty dense from time to time, but even I don't need not in this game. I don't need that. This is the most clear metaphor I've ever seen. So, yeah, that that kind of sucked. Um, Little little bits and bobs, little fun things just to just to touch on uh, miscellaneous. That's not a real word. Miscellaneous things might be a real word. Now I'm second guessing myself because I'm surrounded by smart people in this recording. Um, Did you guys put on the glasses in the bar and walk around? (laughs) Where were these glasses? They're in the bathroom. Oh, no, no. I didn't even know you could go in the bathroom. Oh, so you didn't see any of the risque pictures that C. Catherine sent. Uh Uh-huh. Well, like, it's funny because you could view him and he, like, pulls out his phone and you get a glimpse of it and then it closes. But no, I did not. No. Right. I didn't, like, I didn't, like, take my time to look over them. (laughs) Yeah, if you really want to ogle him, if you really want to ogle him, (laughs) you got to go into the bathroom and sit alone. Like the (laughs) filthy little dirty birdie you are. But the game doesn't judge you. (laughs) Right. If you do go in the bathroom, though, there are some glasses. You'll get a button prompt to pick up these glasses. And what it does is it uh, you go out in the bar and everyone's in their underwear. <laughs> and it it's not as horny as it sounds. It's funny. It's very funny. Uh, mostly because the boss is wearing a thong behind the, uh, behind the bar. And that gave me a great laugh when I saw that. But it is fun to just walk around the bar and talk to people standing there in their <laughs> underwear. The uh, The women are like, as tastefully portrayed as women in their underwear could be portrayed, I think, uh, which is good. And it's just very funny that that's in there. I don't know whose idea that was. It doesn't serve any story purpose at all, but very funny. If you take his glasses and then talk to, to boss, to, to mutton, like every conversation will start like, who took my glasses? They were my most prized (laughs) possession. I can't go to sleep at night without them. 
and it's just so over the top. Yeah, it's good. Um, that was the only miscellaneous thing that I wanted to see if you guys saw. Is there anything else? Just quick hitters. Um, do, did you want to talk about the identity of Trisha, the the quote unquote true identity? Oh, um, oh, right. There's sure. like a hidden identity there, right? Yeah. So if you are able to get all of the stages in Babel, which is a a separate game mode, if you just want to do the puzzles, Babel, um, like the tower, you eventually it's will... a metaphor. You see, <laughs> these genius game developers. <laughs> <laughs> you eventually learn that uh, Trisha is an anagram uh, for Ishtar. Uh, so at the very final stage of one of the final stages at the end of the game, Mutton will say like, you know, I was just carrying out the orders of Ishtar. Uh, and Mutton, who has become a god known as Dumazid, is partnered with Ishtar, who is the goddess of love and fertility and the the mother of all life. Not a mother goddess, but like mm. the mother of all life. So she reveals that, yeah, actually, this was all her doing. Uh, she's been pulling the strings the whole time. She was actually Astaroth in the confessional, too. Uh, she was asking you all the questions. So it was just her and an avatar. Uh, and okay. the gist is like Mutton, a.k.a. Dumuzid, has been unfaithful. She doesn't like that. So she set up these uh, nightmares to find a new suitor, which isn't Vincent. It's you, the player. Oh, this is a bit much. It's a bit much, but at least they okay. tied the like bonus completionist material into the story some way. But you really, I mean, you don't even need to engage with it if you don't want to. It's cool, but like it doesn't fundamentally change anything. Huh. Interesting. I, I would have thought as you were describing that, I thought that this is a, you know, now you've seen the things in the game, the the Japanese audience that this was originally made for. You've seen what the game is about. And now this character who's behind it all is presenting it to you as like a, you know, a cautionary tale or something like that. But that's apparently not how it goes. And I like my version better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that. So Catherine full body, very interesting game. Uh, This came out of, came into this recording with a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. I'm really happy with this, how this conversation went. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on the show a lot to uh, to dive into this one with me. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks a million for having me on again. Uh, it was nice to dive into a game I normally, like like I said, it's been on my backlog for years. And um, it was one of those games that I just kept putting off because it didn't seem like my type of game. So thanks for uh, giving me a reason to finally get around to it. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I- I want to echo that, Dave. Thanks for having having me, and thanks for having Ryan on as well. It's it's always great to come on to this show. It's it's one of my favorite shows as well. Just as it's, I'm sure it's one of Ryan's too. It's so, uh, really, thank you. It's been a ton of fun. Yeah, this has been great. So thank you guys again, and another plug for everybody listening to check out Pixel Project Radio and List Off. You can go find them on social media. You can go down in the show notes and click links to uh, easy ways to find their page or just tune me out for the rest of the episode. And as the music is playing out the episode, just go search Pixel Project Radio and list off, subscribe. You'll get all kinds of cool stuff. Dive into that list off backlog. Look forward to the cool stuff that Pixel Project Radio has coming. Good stuff all around. So thank you guys one more time. Thank you everybody for listening. Tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog.